the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Company and other factors. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would come in the power of your Holy Spirit and open the hearts and minds of those who have come to listen. Lord, I know it is only by the power of your Spirit that we can begin to understand the requirements of following you. Lord, would you come now and anoint this message by your Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it impossible to follow Jesus? Is it impossible to follow Jesus? I don't think some of you will understand this message today because you are followers of religion and not followers of Jesus. You call yourself a Christian, and I understand from your perspective you are a Christian. But do you have the signs that you are a Christian? Are you able to walk with Jesus? Does he answer your prayers? Do you have access to the throne of God? Jesus was on the earth. He was real. Men and women saw him. They benefited from the wonderful work he did in healing their sicknesses. He touched them with compassion. And then Jesus walked with his disciples that fairly long distance to Caesarea Philippi. And as he was going to the villages and as they were walking, they came to that great opening in the mountainside, a cliffside, and there water was gushing forth, and their temples had been built to three different gods. And in that place, he asked them the question, Who do people say that I am? They replied, Some say that you are John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others say one of the prophets raised from the dead. But he then presses them very closely. He asks, Who do you say that I am? Peter boldly answers, You are the Christ. Or, You are the Messiah. You are the Anointed One. Then he began to teach them the first time explaining to them that he was to suffer many things, that he was to be utterly rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days he would rise again. He spoke very plainly about this. 
Peter took him aside. Jesus, come here. Jesus, come here. And he began to rebuke Jesus. Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. And then in front of all of those disciples, he begins to rebuke Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, do you remember the last time he spoke this way? It was with the devil in the wilderness where he said, Get behind me, Satan. Well, these are very startling words. Peter is one of his disciples following him. He'd left his boat, his fishing fleet. He now followed Jesus full time. He says to him, get behind me, Satan. I cannot think of a more stern rebuke than Jesus saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, let me be very clear with you. As long as you have in mind the things of man, it is impossible for you to follow Jesus. As long as you have in your mind the things of men, it will be impossible for you to follow Jesus. Jesus has just been speaking with them about the intense suffering that he is to endure. The rejection by the elders and the priests, the teachers of the law, explaining that he had to be killed. He was the atoning sacrifice. The atonement that would open heaven's door. That would make possible honest and true repentance what would make possible being brought into the kingdom of God. Peter was very uncomfortable with these words. First, he didn't understand them. And secondly, they ground against what he desired. Peter desired to be one of those chief people in the new government that was to be set up by Jesus that would cast the Romans out. Jesus is not meeting his expectations. Now verse 34. Then he called the crowd along with his disciples. He waved to them. Come, come, I have something to say. And the crowds came around him. They wanted to hear what Jesus would say. And he says, if anyone would come after me, or if anyone would follow me, he must, dishon- he must deny himself. That is, in the Greek, literally, he must disown himself. He must abstain from himself. And he must take up his cross 
and follow me. Now, I said at the very beginning, asking the question, is it impossible to follow Jesus? It is impossible to follow Jesus if you have not disowned yourself. And if you refuse to pick up the instrument of execution and suffering, the cross, only then can you begin to follow Jesus. He continues, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, that is, for the good news of the kingdom of God, he will save his life. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Does that make you uncomfortable? I think it's very uncomfortable. Because almost everyone that I know who calls themselves a Christian does not follow after Jesus because they have never, they've never disowned themselves. And they've never taken up their cross to follow Jesus. Most think that they can add this wonderful gift of Jesus to an already full life. And so what is this business of taking up my cross? And some people want to say, well, we all bear a cross. We've all been criticized or we have all some kind of physical ailment. That's not what Jesus is talking about. We've all had difficulty at work. Someone has not liked us. We've been treated unjustly. That's not what Jesus is speaking of. Understand. He's saying flat out, you're going to have to disown yourself. That is, like a child, your child, and you give that child all of your money and an inheritance. When you die, this child will reap great benefits. Jesus is saying you have to disown that child. You have to utterly cut him off. He's no longer your child. It's as though he were never born. Except in this case, he's not talking about a child. He's talking about you and me. He's saying we have to cut ourselves off. You know, part of what Part of what is so painful is that if you disown yourself and you cut yourself off, what are you supposed to do? Fast, pray, read the scriptures, wait upon the Lord, seek his face while he may be found. Oh, but 
Pastor Ray, I don't have time to do those things. Jesus says, disown yourself. And then you'll have lots of time. Abstain from your will and your way and acknowledge that you're willing to lose your life for Jesus Christ. You're willing to lay it all on the line and say, Jesus, I'll get my house in order because I'm having my funeral. I'm finished here. I'm now for your kingdom and your glory and your power. And I'm going to use these resources that I have available for your kingdom and your glory. I'm going to reach out and love others. I'm going to teach them the way of the cross. Not the way of prosperity. Not the way of being popular and loved and well-respected. I'm going to teach them the way of the cross. Now, in this culture, the cross is for criminals. So, to take up your cross is to say, I no longer have any dignity that is mine. I no longer have any standing socially that is mine. I am cut off. I am cast out. I am dead. And now... I'll follow Jesus. I'll only go where he sends me. I'll only do what he tells me to do. I will wait upon him. I will not see a wonderful business opportunity and jump at it. I will not see a wonderful opportunity for relationship and reach out for it. I will do what Jesus tells me to do. And until I hear him, I'll do nothing at all. I'll continue walking day by day, crying out to Jesus, waiting upon him, doing what I believe he's asked me to do. I will repent of all of my sin. I will put away every evil thing. If you look over here in in John, the 8th chapter. John, the 8th chapter. Very interesting. Jesus is at the Mount of Olives. And at dawn, he walked down from the Mount of Olives into the temple court. And people began to gather around him and he began to teach. He sat down to teach them, indicating that he had something important to say. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees have caught a woman in adultery, in the act. They have pulled her out of her adulterous bed, and they have dragged her before Jesus and the group of people he's teaching. And they say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, we are condemned to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? 
They were using this question as a trap in order that they might have a basis for accusing him either before the Jewish people because he doesn't uphold the Mosaic law or because only Pilate could give the death sentence. Jesus bends down and he begins to write in the dust with his finger. And they keep on pressing him for an answer. He straightens up from his writing and he says, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he bent down and began to write again. I suspect they began to recognize the names of the women that they were committing adultery with or fornication with. I don't know, but certainly as they as they read what he was writing, they began to walk away one at a time, the oldest ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman. She was still standing there, trembling, I'm sure, not just from the shock of being pulled out of this bed, but also probably the cold morning air. Jesus straightened up. He looked at her with compassion. And he said, Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, it wasn't just that morning committing adultery. It was many mornings committing adultery. It was a a way of life. Her life was a way of sin and destruction. And Jesus is now saying, you're free to go, but leave your life of sin. Leave your sin. And then if you look over here in Verse 23. Well, let's go to 21. Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Why would they be looking for him? Because they wanted to see the loaves and the fishes. They wanted to watch the miracles. They wanted to hear his teaching. But he's saying to them, you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And the Jews ask, what's he going to do? Kill himself? What do you mean? I can go anywhere you can go, Jesus. But he continued. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. 
He's about to die on the cross and open the gateway of salvation. And he's saying to these Jewish people, if you continue to walk in your sin, you will die in your sin. Again, I ask, is it possible? Is it impossible to please and to serve and to follow Jesus? Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So the son sets you free. You will be free indeed. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What is this wicked teaching that you can never be free of your sin until you die? That's not what Jesus taught. He said, if you are a slave to your sin, you have no permanent place in the family of God. So in other words, there are going to be many in the family of God who continue in their sin, but they will have no permanent place. At the end, they will be cast out. So before you just quickly answer, oh yes, it's possible to follow Jesus. Are you sure it's possible for you to follow Jesus? Have you dealt with your sin yet? If you have not dealt to the bottom with your sin, it is impossible for you to follow Jesus Christ. You can't do it. Jesus said, go. Leave your life of sin. So here we are. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He must disown himself and take up his cross and follow me. Where was he headed? He was headed to Golgotha. He was headed to his crucifixion. Are you willing today to follow Jesus to Golgotha? Are you willing to follow Jesus and die to yourself and to your sin and to your ways, to your anger, to your bitterness, to your lust, to your slander, to your gossip, to your pride? Are you willing to follow Jesus and be crucified and give this foolishness up? Are you willing to lay aside the alcohol? Are you willing to lay aside the pot? The cocaine? Are you willing to die to yourself? I can tell you right now that a dead man will not drink alcohol. I can assure you that a dead man will not smoke pot. He'll be in the ground. He'll be dead. A dead man will not have an adulterous affair. He will not lust in his heart after the things of the, the flesh. He won't. He won't be in the flesh anymore. He'll be dead. willing to die to yourself to your arguments to your anger and bitterness over how someone has treated you or spoken to you are you willing to die to need to feel safe to feel important to be recognized 
to be successful? Are you willing to disown all of that? Are you willing to die to that? Are you willing to go to the cross with Jesus? Only then can you follow him. Is it impossible to follow Jesus? Yes. Until you have died and disowned yourself. And the Spirit of God will come and pick you up and carry you and call you to rest, to rest in Him from all of the flesh. Are you willing to do that today? Well, he moves on. Mark tells us that Jesus said, I tell you the truth, there are some who are standing here and they're going to see the kingdom of God come with power before they die. And then he takes Peter, James, and John to an appointment on a mountain. He led them up the high mountain They were all alone, and there he was changed, transfigured before them. And they now see the Christ, the Messiah, in glory, in the power of the kingdom of God, not shielded. He sees the king of kings. His clothes are dazzling white. And then with him comes Elijah. And Moses, Elijah, the prophets, Moses, the law. They're talking with Jesus. I don't know what they were talking about. But I suspect they were talking to Jesus in an encouraging manner and thanking him for his awesome plan to offer his body as an atonement for our sin. You see, back here in chapter 8, what can a man give in exchange for his soul, his personality, who he is? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Now please, there are two mighty kingdoms. One is the kingdom of darkness that is on this earth. Satan is the ruler of this earth. We live on a prison planet. There is no escape from this prison planet except through the blood of the atonement of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. There is no way out of this kingdom of darkness except the door, Jesus Christ. Everyone else will continue to live in the planet, on prison planet, and they will die. They will face the judgment. They will be identified as rebellious against the Most High, and everyone who is in that place will be burned in the final day of judgment, cast into the lake of fire. Only those who have denied themselves 
taken up the cross, followed after Jesus, disowned themselves. Only those will be able to follow Jesus into glory. And some of you are, are saying, oh yes, pastor, I know I need, to, I need to deal with this television habit. I need to deal with this pot habit. I need to stop drinking alcohol. I need to I need to stop cheating at work and stop stealing. I need to... All of you have some issue in your heart. Deal with it. It's the only avenue by which you can begin to follow Jesus is to make the hard choices to lay aside your sin and repent of that wickedness. Some of you have a great deal to repent of. If you do not repent, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you continue to walk in any rebellion against God, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is the truth. I don't ask you to take my word for it. I ask you simply read the Gospels. Read Romans 6 and 8. Read the Word of God. Read the book of Revelation. Moses and Elijah are there speaking with Jesus. Peter speaks up and he calls Jesus rabbi. It is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. He was so frightened. And a cloud appeared. It enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, be quiet, please. Listen to Jesus. Don't be so self-important. Humble your heart. They looked around as they grew courageous. Everyone was gone except Jesus. So now as they're coming down the mountain, Jesus orders them not to tell anyone what they've seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, but they were discussing together, rising from the dead. What does that mean? Jesus talks with them, but as they come down off that mountain, they're faced with the reality of their spiritual condition. And he sees that the people are arguing with the disciples. And he says to them, what, what are you arguing about? And a man speaks up in the crowd and he says, Teacher, I brought you a, my son. He's possessed by a, a spirit. It's robbed him of his speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? 
He's speaking to his disciples here. How long am I going to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He falls to the ground and he rolls around. He's foaming at the mouth. What an ugly mess. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replies, if you can. If you can. Everything is possible for him who believes. I don't care what the situation is you're, fa- you're facing today. Jesus can handle it. The question is, are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to disown yourself, your money, your job, everything about your life? Are you willing to put that into the hands of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to repent of your sin and get your house put in order? The father recognizes that very quickly he's going to lose the opportunity to have his son healed. And quickly he cries out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So he confesses his unbelief. He asks for divine intervention with that unbelief. Jesus sees there's a crowd running to see what's going on. So quickly he speaks, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him now and never enter him again. The spirit shrieks and convulses him violently and comes out of him. And the boy is laying on the ground looking like a corpse. And many said, he's dead. He, he, the spirit killed him. But Jesus reached down and took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. I don't care if you even look dead. If you believe everything is possible. Now, after they've gone indoors, his disciples ask him privately, why couldn't we drive that demon out? He replied, that kind comes out only by prayer. In some places, in Luke, for example, by prayer and fasting. How does prayer and fasting have any power over the devil? So they left that place and they're walking through Galilee. Jesus wanted to have time to teach his disciples. He begins again to talk to them about the fact that he's going to be betrayed into the hands of men and they're going to kill him and after three days he's going to rise. But they don't understand what it means. Their eyes are shut. They can't understand. They're afraid to ask him about it. And they come to the home in Capernaum. That was his home base. And as they went inside and began to relax a little bit and get some food to eat, he asks them, what were you arguing about on the road? He noticed they were hanging back from him and he was walking ahead of them. They didn't say anything. They kept quiet because of the way on the way they had argued together about who would be the greatest in this new kingdom of God. 
They cannot understand the deep things of God because they're arguing about who is the greatest. You cannot follow Jesus and argue about who is the greatest. Prayer and fasting transform a man's heart and life until he begins to look like and act like and sound like Jesus because they have disowned themselves. Do you sound like the devil? Are you arguing about your rights? A dead man has no rights. I've been to the cemetery many times times and and I've walked over graves I have yet to have one dead man rise up and complain that I just stepped on him in the grave no someone's in the grave they don't have any objection to how they're being treated they're dead Jesus is saying you're going to have to deny yourself disown yourself you're going to have to follow me to to Golgotha and you're going to have to be crucified you're going to have to die to yourself to your will to your desires to the flesh you're going to have to give up your sin you're going to have to get your life right with Jesus are you right with Jesus or are you living in that pretend land that oh I'm I'm okay I'm good with Jesus as one man said to me I have a special deal with Jesus. He understands and I understand. As he owned a thuggish store in downtown D.C. selling ugly clothes. He said, oh, don't worry, Pastor, about me. I've got a special deal with God. We understand each other. Yeah, Jesus understands him. He's headed to hell. He's going to die in his sin. He's going to be rejected by the Almighty. If he does not disown himself, deny himself, take up his cross and follow Jesus. Now, is it possible? Is it impossible for you to follow Jesus? Or is it possible for you to follow Jesus? you going to lose your life because you're clinging to your wickedness is the judgment of god going to come and fall on you because you're arguing with others about your rights about your privileges about how you demand you be treated by others are you going to die in your sin because you have lust in your heart because you want to be successful you want to be somebody You want to be prosperous and proud and full of recognition? Are you going to die in your sin? Or are you going to take up your cross? Follow Jesus. Almighty God. king of all the earth it's impossible for us to follow you Jesus if you don't come 
and convict us of our sin and give us the courage to repent and to lay aside our pride, our arrogance, our hardness of heart. Lord, would you come right now in Washington, D.C., in this huge metro area, and the men and women who are listening to this broadcast, would you move with power right now in their hearts and in their lives and cause them to weep before you for their sin, for their hardness of heart? Lord, would you bend this city to you, Jesus? Will you bend Washington, D.C. to your will? Will you bend this city? Will you bend those who are listening? Lord, I, I offer them the opportunity to come and meet with the National Prayer Chapel where there's no other church like it in D.C. I offer them the opportunity and the phone does not ring. I offer them the opportunity to get serious with you and to lay aside the wickedness of their heart. I offer them the opportunity to give up their temper, to give up their selfishness. Lord, I offer them the opportunity to come and pray for revival in this city, to be crucified with you. Lord, would you move in their hearts? Jesus, would you move in their hearts? Jesus, would you move in their hearts? I'm tired of these lukewarm, sinning Christians who bring such dishonor to your name, so filled with pride and stuffed with all kinds of self-assurance, confident that they are on their way to heaven while they live like hell, while they're under the control of the kingdom of darkness. Almighty God, there has to be a dramatic change in this city. I'm asking, would you come and wake Washington, D.C. up? Will you shake the foundations of this city, Lord Jesus, with your mighty power? Would you cause people to weep before you for their sin? and recognize the wickedness of their heart. Lord, would you come now in mighty power and do this in this city? And Lord, as the internet message goes out, Lord, would you cause thousands to come and listen carefully to this message? Almighty One, the light of your gospel must shine but it must shine in the hearts of men and women who have given up their sin. Men and women who are willing to humble their hearts, put aside their lust for the academic, put aside their lust for power and recognition, put aside their desire to just be comfortable and coast the rest of the way out. Lord, would you come and bend us 
and bend this city. Lord, I've been crying out for a long time for revival in Washington. It's why you sent me here many years ago. And you whispered in my heart, it won't be long. Lord, thank you. I stand by faith for a full breakthrough in this city with righteousness, with holiness, with repentance, with humility, that you would shut the mouths of those who are so boastful and so proud against you. That you would rise up, Jesus, in this city and make it a wonder to the nations. Lord Jesus, would you do this? I pray in your holy name. Amen. I praise God that you have listened today. I pray the message has sunk deeply into your heart. I'd like to hear from you if this message is one you want to be proclaimed in this city. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I invite you to make a decision today to leave your sin, to wake up, to recognize that it's impossible for you to follow Jesus until you've taken up your cross, denied yourself, and been crucified with Jesus Christ. I want to invite you again. I don't know how long I'll be able to do this. But I invite you again today to come Sunday morning at 10 o'clock to the National Prayer Chapel, a small house church where we're very serious with Jesus and dealing with our lives to the very bottom as we pray for the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to call me, I'll give you directions. 703-489-1785. That number again, 703-489-1785. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Come and get right with Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God bless you, my brother, my sister. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.